0: You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, we review the first ODI between Australia and Zimbabwe from the Riverway Stadium. It's the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast, and let's get started. Let's have a look at the match summary for the first ODI between Australia and Zimbabwe from the Riverway Stadium in Townsville. Zimbabwe batted first and made 200 all-out from their 50 overs. Madhir top-scored with 72. Green took five wickets for Australia. Australia, in reply, chased down the total with ease, finishing on five for 201 from 33.3 overs. Warner top-scored with 57. Buell took three wickets for Zimbabwe. Australia won by five wickets, and Cameron Green was named Player of the Match. What were the key moments and key factors from this first ODI between Australia and Zimbabwe? Australia's bowling, bowling Zimbabwe out for 200. Australia's batting, the partnerships of 65 for the second wicket between Warner and Smith. And 46 not out for the sixth wicket between Smith and Maxwell were key partnerships after Australia lost wickets during the run chase, and to guide Australia to victory by five wickets. Those were the key moments and key factors from this first ODI at the Riverway Stadium. Let's have a look at both teams' performances in this first ODI at the Riverway Stadium with both bat and ball. We'll start with Australia and their batsmen. Finch, 15. Warner, 57. Smith, 48, not out. Kerry, 10, Stoinis, 19, Mitchell Marsh, 2, and Maxwell, 32, not out. That's how the Australian batsmen went about things with the bat against Zimbabwe in this first ODI in Townsville. Um, let's start with Australia's batting, as I mentioned. Um, I thought their batting was okay. It wasn't a polished performance from Australia. There were a few areas that they were challenged in the run chase, Um, but they got the job done at the end of the day, and all that matters is getting the job done and scoring the runs. It doesn't matter how pretty you look. It may look like the ugliest batting performance in the world, but if you get the runs and get the job done, then everyone's happy. So I think Australia will be happy with the way that they went about things in the run chase. Uh, They started well in the run chase. Finch and Warner, the opening partnership, the old partnership of Finch and Warner, got the team off to a, a steady start, 43 for the first wicket. And Australia lost 4 for 47 after that. Uh, So they had a bit of a batting collapse, Australia. They lost 4 for 47, as I mentioned. They found it a bit challenging on on a pitch in Townsville. That was a bit slow. Ball wasn't coming onto the bat nicely. Um, It was taking a bit of turn as the Zimbabwean spinners got a bit of turn and grip on this surface. So it was a bit difficult for new batsmen coming in and starting on this type of surface. But the partnerships of 65 for the second wicket between Warner and Smith, 46 not out for the sixth wicket between Smith and Maxwell, managed to get Australia over the line and get Australia the victory. So without those two partnerships, it would have been a a little bit difficult for Australia to get the runs. But in the end, those two partnerships from Warner and Smith, Smith and Maxwell, and especially Glenn Maxwell's acceleration at the end, finishing off the innings, batting at number 7, scoring 32 not out of 355, striking at 355, I should say. It um, was a pretty good um, innings from him and were able to, to get Australia over the line. So nothing much to add on to the Australian batting. It was a straightforward run chase, chasing 200, needing 201 to, to win. They were able to get the job done. Um, I thought David Warner batted well for his 57. Good to see him in the runs. Steve Smith batted well for his 48 not out. It was a typical... Steve Smith innings, um, and I think he's going to be a very important player and batsman for Australia, especially in this one-day team. We know what Steve Smith's role is, and he's done it well in this first game, to be that anchor role. Bat at number three so everyone else can bat around him. And he can control the tempo of the innings as well. If he needs to accelerate, he will. If he needs to decelerate, bat time, get in, get set, establish a partnership with a new batsman. He can definitely do that. And especially with the 50-over World Cup in India next year, facing spinners and obviously Australia's vulnerabilities against spin, he will be one key batsman that Australia will rely on in the World Cup next year. So good innings from him. Glenn Maxwell, uh, he was pretty good. 32 not out. He was accelerating. He was trying to finish off the innings quickly. Um, so Glenn Maxwell uh, did what he does always. Um, the big show, uh, finishing off the job in style. Um, before we move on to the bowling and talk about the bowlers for Australia in this match against Zimbabwe, I want to touch on Alex Carey, Marcus Stoinis, and Mitchell Marsh. I thought those three batsmen were disappointing. We'll start with Alex Carey. Made ten. Now, there's a lot of pressure on Alex Carey. A lot, of, a lot of people don't like Alex Carey. A lot of people do like him. Um, I know mine, Alex Carey. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good person. Um, he's got the skills. He's got the capabilities. But he's got that pressure on him. He made 10. Um, For him, I think batting at number 4 was a bit of a surprise in this first game. Um, I think that's a bit too high from Alex Carey. I would like to see him bat down the order. But I think with an eye to the 50 over World Cup next year in India, Australia would like to have Alex Carey at number 4 because of his ability to play spin. Now we know Alex Carey can play every sweep shot under the sun, from the conventional sweep to the reverse sweep to the paddle. And any sweep shot you could think of, Alex Carey can play it. Um, And he plays it pretty well. Um, But I thought, you know, that is sort of his forte. His forte is playing those sweep shots and getting off strike and doing that. He's not much of a a power hitter. He tried to go over the top. He tried to hit a ball over the rope for six on a pitch that didn't really have much pace in it. Um, And it was very hard to force the pace. He played a big shot, took on the man at... Uh, long on. Unfortunately, he was caught at long on, um, on the rope, so it was quite a disappointing shot from him. Um, so he will need to grab this opportunity with both hands if he's going to continue batting that number four in this series against Zimbabwe, and probably in the series against New Zealand or England, he needs to make bigger scores than 10. Obviously, from your num- you expect from your number four to back up um, the other batsmen and score big runs, because you can't be getting out cheaply, otherwise that's another wicket loss for the team. Marcus Stornis was disappointed as well, 19 he made. Um, we all know Marcus Stornis is a very good player. He's got the capabilities, he's got the potential. Um, but in recent times in one-day cricket, I don't think he's batting smartly. Um, he's not batting smart. Um, he likes to hit you know, big shots, he likes bat on ball, he's that type of player... I think for him, he needs to construct an innings a lot better. Because as we saw against Zimbabwe in this match, um, he's a nervous starter, as we know. But, you know, I would like to see him bat a lot smarter. You know, work the ball into the gaps. You know, one day cricket, and the same with T20 cricket, it's not about bashing the ball or hitting the ball big every time. Or trying to hit the cover off the kookaburra. It's not about that. It's about timing, it's about finesse, and it's about doing the basics right. And I think he needs to do the basics right. He's got the skills, he's got the capabilities, but he, he just doesn't do the basics well enough. And he's got a big opportunity in this series against Zimbabwe, New Zealand, and England this summer to really put his hand up and say, I'm the guy to bat here in the batting order for Australia to get the job done. Um, You know... <laughs> he's got the capabilities to us but he just needs to be a lot smarter in the way he goes about it and last but not least Mitchell Marsh um obviously Mitchell Marsh as we all know now he's been ruled out of this ODI series against Zimbabwe and New Zealand because of an ankle injury um he only made two not out he only made two in this innings uh, got got out caught behind trying to cut a ball got the toe end of the bat straight to the keeper in Chaveka, off one of the Zimbabwean spinners I think it was Buell who got him out. Um, in the run chase and um, e- even for Mitchell Marsh when he does get opportunities like this. He needs to make the most of them as well so Apart from from that. I think Australia did pretty well in the run chase. It was challenging But they were able to get the job done. So overall it wasn't a polished performance from Australia But it was an okay batting performance to get the job done in this first ODI against Zimbabwe. Let's have a look at the Australian bowlers and how they performed in this first ODI against Zimbabwe. A wicket for Mitchell Marsh, no wickets for Maxwell, five wickets for Cameron Green, a wicket for Mitchell Stark, three wickets for Zampa, and no wickets for Hazelwood. That's how the Australian bowlers went about things with the ball in this first ODI against Zimbabwe. Um, I thought the Australian bowlers did well. To bowl Zimbabwe out for 200 was a good result. I thought all the bowlers... Uh, did well as the innings progressed. I thought at the start of the innings, they were a bit rusty, obviously. They haven't played for a while. Uh, The last one-day series for Australia was against Sri Lanka uh, a few months ago. So, of course, all the bowlers are going to to be a bit rusty after a a lengthy break. Uh, But I thought when they got into their work, they were all right. The rust was uh, was showing still, but they were able to iron out the rust and get on with the job and take the wickets. I thought they did the basics well with the ball, Australia. I thought they bowled, they bowled dot balls, they built pressure onto the Zimbabwean batsmen at times, executed their plans and skills with the ball, and they were able to get them out for 200. So a very clinical bowling performance from Australia. I thought Cameron Green was the standout. Five wickets for young Cameron Green. Um, he's got a lot of potential as an all-rounder. Good to see him get his first five-wicket haul Not only in one day to nationals, but also in his international cricket career. So hopefully he can translate that into the Test matches this summer as well against West Indies and South Africa. uh, Because he is a very promising talent. Um, He's got the skills with both bat and ball. We all all know that. Um, So he's coming of age, Cameron Green. And it's good to see him develop in front of our eyes. So hopefully he can continue that development and keep learning. Um, I thought Adam Zampa... um, Coming back after missing out the ODI series and T20 series in Sri Lanka, he was definitely missed by Strayer in that series. Um, So it's good that Aaron Finch has got him back into the side. He took three wickets for 57 runs. A bit rusty from him at the start, but once he got into his work, he was on. Uh, So he bowled well. Uh, Mitchell Stark was a bit rusty at the start of his um, bowling performance, but he was able to pick up a wicket towards the end of the innings. Mitchell Marsh picked up a handy wicket. Uh, Glenn Maxwell bowled a few good overs of off spin. Uh Josh Hayeswood, he bowled well. Unlucky to not get a wicket. But, um, yeah, apart from that, I thought the Australian bowling performance was, was pretty good. Nothing much to add on to that, really. They did the basics well. They bowled Zimbabwe out for 200. So I think the bowling group will be quite happy with their efforts in this first ODI against Zimbabwe. So overall, good bowling performance from Australia. Overall, it was a good performance from Australia in this first ODI against Zimbabwe. Let's have a look at Zimbabwe's team performance with both bat and ball in this first ODI at the Riverway Stadium. We'll start with their batsmen Kaya 17, Murumandi 45, Mahia 72, Marayonga 7, Raza 5, and Cheveka, 31. That's how the Zimbabwean batsmen went about things against Australia in this first ODI in Townsville. Um, nothing much to talk about the Zimbabwean batting innings, really, but let's talk about it and where did it go wrong for Zimbabwe. There were a few moments that they uh, should have done better in, other moments they did poor, uh, poorly at, I should say. Um, the start of the innings for Zimbabwe was very watchful early on. I fought the Openers and Kaya and Muramundi were very watchful. Uh, it wasn't a big power play in the first 10 overs. None for 36. Not a big power play by any means of the imagination. Uh, but for Zimbabwe, the important thing for for them was to keep wickets in hand early on um, and not lose early wickets. Trying to blunt the attack um, of Australia with Stark and Hazelwood up front. And I thought they did a very good job, Kaya and Muramundi, doing that. Um, but as it was throughout the Zimbabwean innings, they lost wickets at... Wrong times. They lost wickets at regular intervals. And when a batsman got in, they got out. And they didn't convert the starts into big scores, which was the disappointing factor for them. As I said, they lost wickets at regular intervals. 1 for 42, 2 for 87, 3 for 104, 4 for 122, 5 for 185, 6 for 188, 7 for 198, 8 for 196, 9 for 198, and all out for 200. Um, Also, not too many big partnerships for Zimbabwe in this innings. The only 50-run partnership that they had for the whole innings was 63 for the 5th wicket between Chaveka and Madhia. Um, All the other partnerships they had were pretty low. And um, that's not good enough. You've got to try and back up partnerships and and try and back it up and, and score runs if you can. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do that. As I, as I mentioned before, batsmen got in and got out throughout the innings at wrong times. Uh, Zimbabwe fell away towards the back end of their innings. They had a batting collapse. They lost 6 for 15. That's pretty good bowling figures if you're a bowler. But as a, as a batting group for a batting collapse, that's not that's not good. 6 for 15 and 27 balls. Ooh, ouch. Wasn't good. Uh, towards the back end of their innings, which cost them getting a score of 250 or 260 on a pitch in Townsville, that was a bit slow and taken a bit of turn as well, um, as we saw in the second innings when Zimbabwe bowled to Australia. Um, so, yeah, 200 was never going to be enough. It was below par. They, they needed 250 or 260 to be uh, to pose a challenge to Australia. In the end, chasing 200 for Australia was, was quite easy in the end. Even though they had a few roadblocks along the way, Australia, they were still able to get the job done. I thought Wesley Madhia... Um, his innings of 72 was good. Um, he was the only batsman from Zimbabwe that got a start and he converted it into a half-century. Um, obviously, I wanted I wanted him to go on and get the century. It would have been great if he did get the three figures. Unfortunately, that wasn't to be... He looked set and on his way to a century, but then got caught and bowled by Adam Zampa. Um, and he was disappointed with that. Obviously, he was very frustrated, as all batsmen are when you get out, especially when you chip one back to a bowler, um, you know, you're quite disappointed, and he was. Um, but his innings was very crucial for Zimbabwe because it did allow them to get to that 200 mark. Without that innings from Mehia of 72, they would have been bowled out for under 200 Zimbabwe. So at least they, they got to 200 because of his innings there. So not much to talk about with the Zimbabwean batting. It was pretty poor, Um They did well in certain areas of the innings. They did the basics very well. I thought they rotated the strike nicely at times. They hit the bad balls to the boundary for four. um, But they weren't able to build partnerships or stop wickets when they fell, especially in that batting collapse. So um, overall, it was a disappointing batting performance from Zimbabwe. Let's have a look at the Zimbabwean bowlers and their performance in this first ODI against Australia in Townsville here, no wickets for him, a wicket for Raza, three wickets for Buell, no wickets for Longwi. no wickets for Evans, a wicket for Navarra, and no wickets for Nietzsche. That's how the Zimbabwean bowlers went about things in this first ODI. Um, yeah, for Zimbabwe, it was always going to be difficult for them trying to defend a total of 200. It was never enough in the end to challenge Australia. Um, I thought Zimbabwe did well throughout the innings to take wickets during the run chase. And they had Australia in trouble at times during the run chase when they got wickets. Um, They were able to get 4 for 47 at one stage for Australia um, in terms of a batting collapse from Australia. They lost 4 for 47 at one stage, Australia, in the run chase. So that was pretty good from Zimbabwe to take wickets and, you know, keep chipping away if they can. But in the end, really... um, The basics let them down. They bowled some poor deliveries at times to Warner and Smith and even Glenn Maxwell towards the end of the innings where he teed off. Um, That's where they were let down with those poor deliveries. And Australia were good enough to punish them, as, as you should as a batsman. If you have a poor ball, a half volley or a short delivery, you should punish it away to the boundary. And that's what they did. Um... And when you're in a score of 200-plus and you do that, that's not going to be an easy task. Also, uh, an area of concern for Zimbabwe as well was their fielding. Their fielding was poor. There was a lot of misfields, and you can't do that against Australia. You can't misfield, you can't give easy runs away. You've got to build the pressure. The fielders have to be ready, they have to be on it. As soon as that bowler lets the ball go out of his hands, and as the batsman hits it on the bat you got to be ready in the field. And uh, Zimbabwe, some of the, the fielders' uh, misfield gave away easy runs. Um, so when you're defending 200, you can't do that. And you can't do that against quality opposition because they'll make you pay like Australia did in this game. They made Zimbabwe pay for those misfields. Um, they were knocking balls on, leaking singles and then twos. Um, so they really got to tighten that up heading into game two and three You've got to be a bit better in the field. Um, so that was disappointing from Zimbabwe. So nothing much to talk about the bowling performance. Um, I thought Buell bowled well. He took three wickets. He was the standout for Zimbabwe. Uh, the others like Raza and Navarra took a wicket each. Um, all the other bowlers went for runs. So it was a, pretty much a mixed bag of uh, in terms of performance for the Zimbabwean bowlers in this first game um, against Australia. But... But overall, it was a poor bowling performance from Zimbabwe. Overall, it was a disappointing performance from Zimbabwe in this first game against Australia. Let's preview the second ODI of the series between Australia and Zimbabwe from the Riverway Stadium. Talk about the potential elevens for both teams and who's going to win this second ODI. Let's have a look at the overall stats in one-day cricket at the Riverway Stadium between Australia and Zimbabwe. Um, Obviously, the first game of this series was the first ever one-day national to be played here in Townsville at the Riverway Stadium. So Australia lead the overall stats against Zimbabwe here at uh, the Riverway Stadium in Townsville 1-0. Let's talk about Australia and their potential 11 uh, for the second ODI against Zimbabwe. Um, Australia will make one change to their 11 for the second ODI. Mitchell Marsh has been ruled out because of injury. He reported some minor ankle soreness during Game 1. He's been ruled out for the remainder of this series against Zimbabwe and the upcoming ODI series with New Zealand. Um, Australia wanting to put him on ice before the T20 World Cup later on this year in October and November. Obviously, Mitchell Marsh was a big factor in Australia winning that T20 World Cup last year. And no doubt he will be a significant player in this year's T20 World Cup as well. So that's understandable that Australia... And not taking the risk with him before a T20 World Cup, which is in an, in a few months' time. Uh, so Josh Inglis, who's been playing in the 100 in England, will come over uh, to replace Marsh in the squad uh, for the ODI series against Zimbabwe and New Zealand. So Australia will have to make a force change to their 11. The potential candidates, you have Martis Labashane, you have Sean Abbott, you have Ashton Nager. I think... Given the all-rounder heavy team that Australia has selected, I don't think they should go in with another all-rounder type player. Um, so I think they should give Manus Labuschagne a go, probably bat him at number five. And have Manus Labuschagne bat at number five, probably um, promote Marcus Stornis in the batting order to number four, give him another opportunity to prove himself after what was a disappointing first game with the bat from him. Uh, because Alex Carey batted at number four in this first game, which I think is a bit too high from Alex Carey. Slip Alex Carey down from four to, to number six. If they don't want Carey to bat at number seven because of Glenn Maxwell's finishing abilities, as we saw in game one, where Glenn Maxwell came in at number seven and just whacked the ball everywhere and finished off the game for Australia. I think that is the probably the preferred option that I think Australia should go with get a specialist batter in the side, and and that's what they'll probably do with Marnus to replace Mitchell Marsh. They don't need any more all-rounder options. They've got Stornis, uh, they've got Glenn Maxwell, they've got Cameron Green, who's playing as a front-line bowler in this match, because or in this series, because there's no Pat Cummins. Um, and then you've got, you know, Marnus Labuschagne to bowl a few overs of spin as well. So you've got plenty of options here. I don't think you need to have any more all-rounders in the side. Um... And Aaron Finch has alluded that, that this team that Australia selected is all a heavy. So I think Marnus Labuschagne to replace Mitchell Marsh, bat him at number five, Stornis at number four, Kerry probably at six or seven, depending where they want Glenn Maxwell to bat, depending on the game situation. So Australia's potential 11 for the second ODI could be Finch, Warner, Smith, Stornis, Labuschagne, Kerry, Maxwell, Green, Stark, Samper, and Hazelwood. So that could be Australia's potential 11 ...for the second ODI against Zimbabwe. Let's have a look at Zimbabwe's potential 11... ...for the second ODI against Australia in Townsville. Now, I think I think Zimbabwe will make a couple of changes to their side. I know that uh, Sean Williams and Blessing Musabandi... Uh, ...missed out the first game due to some sort of injuries that they had. And I think they are available for the second and third matches of this series. And they're definitely uh, a couple of Zimbabwe's stronger players... And Zimbabwe probably missed them in this first game. So I think Sean Williams and Blessing Musabandi will come back in for game number two. The question is, who do they replace? I'm just only uh, predicting what they will do. But maybe Longwee and maybe Nietzsche to probably potentially miss out for uh, Williams and Musabandi for the second game. Which is a must-win game for Zimbabwe if they are to stay in the series. So their potential eleven for the second ODI could be Kaya... Muramandi, Madhia, Maya Mayonga, Raza, Chaveka, Bure, Williams, Evans, Navarra, and Musabandi. So that could be Zimbabwe's potential 11 for the second ODI against Australia. Now, who's going to win this second ODI at the Riverway Stadium? I think Australia are clearly the favourites to win the second ODI and, and win the series overall, obviously. I think that's a fairly obvious observation to make. But let's hope Zimbabwe can be competitive and show some fight and really test Australia and challenge them in this second game. So uh, I think Australia to win this second game, um, it may not be an easy, straightforward victory, but let's hope Zimbabwe can be competitive and challenge Australia in the second game. But I think Australia to win the second game and obviously to win uh, the series overall. What can we expect? from both teams heading into the second ODI at the Riverway Stadium Australia will be happy with this victory but we'll be looking at the areas to improve on with both bat and ball heading into game two as Australia tried to improve and get better heading into next year's Cricket World Cup in India. Zimbabwe will be disappointed at this performance in game one but they can take some positives Wesley Mahir batted well for his 72 and the bowlers were able to take wickets and challenge Australia in the run chase. If they can tidy up a few areas with the bat, ball, and in the field, then they can be competitive and challenge Australia in game two. It was a great start to the international summer for Australia, winning the first ODI against Zimbabwe by five wickets. Good to see the people of Townsville turn out to watch the first game of the series. Hopefully we see more people turn up to watch the two remaining games in Townsville. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get the latest episodes of the podcast and like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Until next time, keep safe and bye for now.